This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. God is good. Well, we're going to open... Our Bibles to the book of Mark, uh, this is the last uh, sermon in our Flavor of Faith uh, message series called Bitter Herbs, Bitter Herbs, we're going to open the book of Mark. Father, I thank you for those that are gathered here in person that are uh, now watching online, those that regularly watch online around the world. I thank you for what you're doing in our body. I change who we are, change our lives. Lord, I ask you that you will help us to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. All right, so let's talk for just a moment. When this series began a few weeks ago, of course, things have really been happening in our world, and they're happening pretty quick. Have you ever encountered somebody who maybe is dealing with wounds? Anybody ever dealt with anybody that's dealing with some real wounds? How many of you know that wounded people wound people? Hurting people hurt people. And so we're dealing with uh, some wounds in this society that we live in. And as we're dealing with wounds, we're going to have, to have to figure out how to move forward in that. Now, a lot of times, if you tell somebody, I'm here to, uh, to, to fix something or to deal with your wound, uh, they're going to quickly put up defenses, Okay. It's sort of like when you have to kind of, you know, when you have a child and you kind of have to get their attention on the lollipop while you rip off the Band-Aid. How many know what I'm talking about, all right? You've got to get their attention somewhere else. So we've begun to deal with some of the wounds through this series, and as we've been dealing with these wounds, uh, it, we didn't go in just headstrong and say, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's just dive right into this. But instead, we said, God, what are you going to try to teach us because if all I can do is point at someone else's wounds, I'm not really helping anybody. I've got to let God deal with where I am and what I've done. So Mark chapter 9, verse number 50 is where we started. It says this, salt is good for seasoning. In other words, you need some salt to make things better. You need some salt to add something to things. And we began this series, and I had no clue that God would use some things from this series that would become very practical to us. The first weekend I talked to you about this, we talked about how that we had to put down salt on the ice uh, so that we could get safely in the doors of my home, and how no one wanted me to go out and reclaim that salt to use for dinner time. Well, it blew my mind that God... Uh, allowed us to have to put salt down in front of the doors here at church this morning so that you could come in safely. Well, as much as we had to do that, as God in his goodness allowed us to do that, then uh, all of a sudden we found out that God has been teaching us through some practical illustrations. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I think you get the illustrations more than you get what I'm trying to say in the Scripture. Because I have gotten picture after picture after picture after picture of you enjoying salmon rolls. So at the end of this service, we have some cinnamon rolls for you to enjoy. But the point 
that most people picked up from that was, and they've all said it, upright roles. And we have to live our life as believers in an upright fashion. We have to live our lives in a good and a strong fashion. This is important. Now, if salt stops affecting the environment that it's added to and loses its flavor, what are we going to do about it? How do we make it salt? What can you do to fix it? And here's where we've been. You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. This is so important that you can tell if you have the qualities of salt in your life or not. Because if you can't live in peace with the people that are in your life, then you really don't have the qualities of salt in your life. If it seems like you're fighting everybody constantly, if it seems like the whole world is your enemy and you're just looking for an opportunity to to let that bubble over, then you're not living according to the command of God. So what were those commands? How do we fix that? If we've been dealing with that wounded nature, wounding others, here's where we go. Ready for this? We started with the fact nobody wants dirty salt. So, purity, purity and cleanliness translates as holiness. A life of holiness not only changes you, but allows you to become a change agent upon anything or anyone who comes in contact with you. And if you're really living for God, it's going to change the world around you. Quickly. The second thing we learned was this. Salt preserves and enhances. If all you're doing is tearing down other people, you're not living in the quality of salt. If all you can ever do is point out the critical things about people, you're not living according to God's plan for who you're supposed to be in your life. If it only happens at home, if you're nice in public, but at home you create an environment that tears down and destroys, you better watch out because your children will realize the difference and they'll start being worried about what you're going to say about them when they're not home. And here's the way it kind of came out in the first service. You can't be the salt when you assault others. That's truth. Say that again. That's truth. If you're constantly belittling other people, you can't be the salt of the earth. Not last two weeks we studied that salt unlocks hidden aromas. Now let me just say, you're going, Pastor, why have you re- re- restated these things every week? Because when I was a young preacher, I thought you needed six sermons for a six-night six revival. And I thought they all had to be on something different. And you never, you never wanted them to intertwine. Then I realized something. If it takes me more than one time to get something, it may take other people more than one time to get something. So we probably need to stay at it until we figure it out a little bit. It's sort of like when you read the directions, come on now, when you read the directions for putting together, I had a, I had a furniture project the other day, and I went to put this furniture together, and I began to read it step by step because there was, a, I don't know how many pieces. And sometimes... I looked at it and I had to go back to the directions and realize, oh, that's not turned right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You had to look a second time. Oh, let me just pull this. How many, how many of you don't even look at the directions? All right. 
dangerous question in church when your pastor is equating reading the directions to the scripture. Because we've got to figure out, is my life lining up with the directions? I know I pulled you into that one. I'm sorry. I'll give you a cinnamon roll to make up for it, okay? But listen, we also learned that salt unlocks those hidden aromas, and it's necessary that you not forget who you are. Because God wants to take the hands that once caused pain, and now you say, in spite of the pain that I caused, these hands give you praise. The hands that maybe once stole now return to God glory. The hands that hurt become hands that worship. And God says, don't forget who you are. So finally today, we come to this last property of salt. Salt has healing properties. I told you in the beginning of this message that that the world is, stay with me now, the world is what? Wounded. The world is what? Wounded. Wounded. So you need to put a little salt in the... Uh Uh-oh. Nobody likes salt in the wound. But there's a reason that phrase exists. Because the effects that salt has upon a wound. You see, what happens is salt in its chemical form, uh, sodium chloride, has this uh, uh, process that occurs when you apply it to a cell. When it's applied to any kind of structure that contains cells, it can, watch this, dehydrate or remove the water from those cells. When it does that, it draws out the infection. It draws out the poison from the tissue and the cells that it touches. So if you have a, uh, my mother as a child, I remember her telling this story. She went somewhere, my, my grandmother told her not to. Anybody else ever do that? Go where your parents told you not to go? My dad told me not to go on one part of the lake one time. He said, don't go over there. Don't go over there. So anybody want to guess where I went? Over there. And the next thing I knew, it's one of the most powerful moments of my life. I still remember it and it helped me understand the grace of God is, I, I, this is, I, I can still see it. All of a sudden, I take one step and I'm underwater. And all I can see is the sun above me as it's going away. And the next thing I see is my father's hand come through the water and rescue me. And it helped me understand God's love so much. I didn't feel very loved when he corrected me afterwards. (laughs) But it still helped me understand God's love for me. Watch this. My mother is told to go over. And you have to remember, we're talking about a poor sharecropper's daughter who every night they were lucky if they had cornmeal to eat. That's all they had, all they ever had. And so she steps on a nail. There's no hope of going to the doctor. It's a rusty nail and a pile of wood she was told not to go on. My grandmother had one choice what to do with that. You know what she did? She put salt in hot water. And she put her foot in that salt water, and all of a sudden it drew the infection from her foot. You see, that's osmosis. That's what that's called, osmosis. It draws the infection out. It draws that poison out. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I'm going to put it on the screen, give you time to write it if you want to write it. Grab a screenshot, whatever you want to do, but watch this. We 
must not scream at the world until they listen. But rather, we must take a new way of thinking into our world that others will see as truth and join by osmosis. It does not help a wounded world for you to tell them how badly sick they are. It does not help a wounded world for you to go on your social media post and remind them they're going to hell. Pastor Don, we must be honest and preach heaven and hell. I didn't say not to not preach heaven and hell. I said stop going on and condemning someone else to hell. Why don't we go on there and tell them that Jesus made a way that anyone headed, headed to hell might have eternal life if they will but believe upon him. And can I just tell you this? When you get Jesus in your life, the things that are not of Jesus are drawn out by osmosis. Watch this. And the poison and the bitterness and those things begin to be removed by the grace of God. I'll never forget, I'm in Athens, Georgia, headed into a football stadium. I heard not one bark in this service as I said that. But I'm headed into a football stadium. As I'm walking into the football stadium, thousands of us are walking in. I have just walked from far too far away because there's no parking. I have walked, I don't feel like walking anymore as we approach in this throng of people. All of a sudden, I notice a man screaming violently at the crowd, You're all going to hell! You're all going to hell! You're busted hell wide open! How many of you would like me to preach for like that today? Well, the truth is, I had a group of young people with me, some of which I was concerned they were going to hell. But instead of telling them constantly they were going to hell, I was telling them, you can serve Jesus. He can rescue you from the hell you're living in and the hell that awaits you. You see the difference? We don't need to be a world that yells and screams in a hateful manner at the world. We need to be a world that takes the message of the hope. What the Bible tell, tells me not to preach the gospel of hell, it tells me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came and he looked hell right in the grave and he took away the keys and he made a way for any who would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to escape that hell. But they're not going to get it if I yell at them. They're going to get it if I teach it to them. Have you ever been around somebody that makes you want to be a better person? I checked in at the gym. Listen to me. You guys started telling me how proud you were of me. Good job, Pastor. You're at the gym. I said, what are they saying? We've been praying for you, Pastor. You can make it. Did I not tell you don't point out their wounds or it will cause them to go the other way? I just simply responded on my own check-in. Only here for a meeting. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> Can I just be real blunt? When I met the person I was meeting and they were in worse shape than I was in, I was not inspired to get in better shape. If people come to God's house and find people in worse shape than they're in, they will not be inspired. We need people who are so in love with God that those who come around us say, there's something inside of them that I need. There's something inside of them that can change my life. There's a power inside of them that God can give me. This is truth. Now, listen, here's the problem. Most of the time our churches are unhealthy and we don't even know why. 
There's a story in the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 2 that runs all the way to the 21st verse, but stay with me for just a moment. In the beginning of 2 Kings chapter 2, we find the story of a university town. I was in Dahlonega yesterday thinking about this very story. This university town is, uh, uh, you know, would be dead if it were not for the school, probably. But all around this university, we've built all these buildings and all these things that have, have, have kept that small mountain town alive, and, and now it thrives because those thousands and thousands of students descend upon that town. Well, there was a small town that in the Scripture here we find in 2 Kings that is a university town. Therein that they have a school called the School of the Prophets. They have built a city around this school, and as they built the city around this school, it's surrounded by attempts at orchards and attempts at gardens and, a, and all kinds of ways to support this city, but there's a problem in the city. Because the water of this community has certain minerals in it, certain things that will cause and allow the plants to grow, but before they can come to bear fruit, before they become fruitful, all of a sudden, listen to me very carefully, all of a sudden they will drop the fruit before it's ripe. And when they drop the fruit before it's ripe, this is important, when they drop the fruit before it's ripe, it causes the land to be known as a place of unfruitfulness. The literal translation of the name is the land of barrenness. So Elisha comes to town and they say, all right, can you help us with this problem? Everything flourishes here. Beautiful city, beautiful gardens, beautiful orchards, but nothing will produce fruit. We cannot sustain ourselves inside this environment. Can I tell you that it reminds me of the churches of the world that we live in today. When we come into the church from the world and we sing songs that are beautiful, we sit in buildings that are beautiful, we do all of these things that are built strong and secure, and yet we do not produce fruit there's no fruit of righteousness there's no fruit of peace there's no fruit of joy and God forbid somebody encounter us because they'll find us just as wounded as the world normally I'm looking for an amen but quite frankly right this moment I don't care if I get one or not because I'm preaching the word of God that we lay unfruitful unaffecting a world by the screens at which we send its direction. But the answer lies here in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 21. Elisha goes out and he says, Then he went out to the spring and he threw salt into it, saying, Watch this, this is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Anytime you see water, it always represents a group of people. And he says, I have healed this and figuratively, group of people, and never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Can I tell you what will make the church productive? When the church learns to live holy again, when the church learns to build up again instead of tear down, when the church learns to worship the way that God called us to worship, and when the church decides that a wounded world doesn't need an angry voice, a wounded world needs the salt of the earth to go among them and draw forth the poison and show them something better that they can become. Can I get an amen for that today? God is good and His mercy endures forever. But we fear because when you've never really been fruitful, you don't understand 
what you're looking for. It's sort of like we sing songs like this. Let the glory of the Lord come among us. Rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord manifest upon the earth. Let us show us your glory, O God. But most of us don't really know what the glory is. Most of us find ourselves not in a glorious place, but in a wounded place. We live in a land that we're struggling with. We've learned to deal with hopelessness. I think about what so many of you have been through in the last year as family members have passed from this disease. I think about what's going on as families have, have, have lost jobs and things have been changed in the world we live in and you're living in a world where you don't even know if there's any peace with the people around you and the world lies wounded and we're struggling trying to figure out what we're going to do and we're chewing on bitter herbs because the reality is we don't, we're having to learn to stomach things we don't like. We're having to taste things that, that we don't want to taste. We're living in dark places we don't want to live. And we wonder where the glory of God is. Where is the manifest presence of the King of Kings? Where is the manifest presence of the goodness of God? We wonder where He is. We wonder, is there any hope? And will His glory ever really be seen by this world? Will His glory ever be known by this generation? And we wonder where He is because it seems so dark. Let me remind you today that the glory of God shines brightest against the dark backdrop of the deepest night. Let me take you one step further. If you feel like God has forgotten you and you have fallen into a pit of despair, as Joseph must have felt, remember God setting you up for the palace even when you're in the pit. Because God never gives up on us. God never gives up on us. So what we need is a manifest presence of the glory of God. Do you know what happened? When Israel had forgotten the glory, the last taste of glory was 400 years between the two tastes of glory, the last and the, the new. 400 years had passed. They had been enslaved. 400 years had passed of bitter herbs. 400 years now they were under the conquering power of the Romans. And as they sat in the con under the conquering power of the Romans, they had learned to eat bitterness that they did not want. And yet, the lowest caste of all, the shepherds, on the darkest, coldest nights of all, sat in that early spring time. Watch this. Suddenly the clouds roll back. Oh, watch that. They roll back. There's a bright light. And the scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse number 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them. We scream, God, show us your glory, and we too will be afraid when he shows up unless we bear the salt of the Lord in our lives. They're invited to go, and they go, and they find a babe wrapped in a manger. And can I, let me just say this very carefully. They see a glimpse of God's glory cloaked in flesh. Do you know why the world is so desperate for truth? 
Because the only truth that can be found is in the glory of God. Somebody said to me, well, how did Adam and Eve, if they knew all things, not know they were naked before they sinned? And that's because they weren't naked before they were sinned. Before they sinned, watch this, before they sinned, Scripture teaches us they were clothed in the glory. Most of us cannot be clothed in the glory because we don't bear the, bear the marks of salt on our lives. But I have watched the saints of old who would get along with God until their rooms would shake, who would pray until the carpet or the wood was, was worn by their knees, who would seek the face of God until heaven would move. And I watched them walk into the room. I have watched some of them even as they went from the pulpits to all the way to the nursing homes. And there in those nursing homes, I watched them still shine with the glory of God. Why? Because they paid a price to walk as the salt of the earth when others would not. Folks, what needs to happen is we need to peel back the flesh of our sin and let God's glory shine through us. Yeah. I'm actually going to come around to what I wrote to because I want to close and sum up this sermon the best that I know how. Listen to me carefully. If we are invited to be the salt of the earth to regain our flavor, we must remember what we've learned in this season. That we must embrace a lifestyle of holiness. I once had a friend who decided to hike the Appalachian Trail. Have any of you ever hiked the Appalachian Trail from one end to the other? Anybody? Any? Okay. I feel better about myself now. I have, I have hiked all the way to the start of the Appalachian Trail. And I actually went on and hiked up to Blood Mountain one time. And that was all I needed to do to feel good about myself. Nothing wrong with going up the trail, but he spent months going across the trail. In the months he went across the trail, something happened to him. Because of his lack of uh, hygiene on the trail, the days of the dirt of the trail began to literally seep into his pores. When he returned, he took a bath. But when he would want to join us for lunch, we didn't want him to go. Because for it took like two months. He stunk like the trail. He smelled like the trail. We were like, bro, have you bathed since you got back? He said, I bathe every day. And we are like, did you use soap? And he's like, yeah, I use soap. Do you know what happened over time? The soap overtook the days of dirt. Do you know what most of us use an excuse why we don't live righteously? It's because we don't smell better after one time to church. We don't keep clean when we live in the world. Guess what? If you keep applying the righteousness of Christ to your life, the days of dirt will go 
behind you. And you will become a better person. Let me move on quickly. To replace the bitter days of yesterday with the spices of worship today, that means that no matter where you are and what you're going through, as I preached this message in the first service, I looked, and there was somebody out there, I could see them just literally allowing the osmosis to happen. Their daughter has just died as quickly as they buried their daughter. Another family member died, and as quickly as that family member died, another family member is in critical condition. And I saw them listening intently, desperate for a reason, to worship again. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. When you will bring the salt of who you are and where you are into your worship, you will understand how it is possible for the many brothers and sisters that we have in Christ who are in chains around the world to worship and be freer in their cell than the guards who guard the cells therein. His worship will set you free. Let me get you to join me in standing as I say this last point. God wants to reveal the glory of God through you if you will simply pull back the cloak of the flesh and the desires of the flesh that hide his glory from the world. I want you to bow your heads with me in this place. I want those listening, those watching, to listen and watch very intently what God's saying to your hearts right now. This is important. You were created for more. You were not created to go through this life a wounded, wounded person, going from tragedy to tragedy and storm to storm. You were created to live in this life in such a way. My goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit. I, I, he's guarding my words so carefully. You were not created to stay wounded. There's a scripture, and I feel this is directly from the Lord, that says that he came among them and he healed all of their diseases and all of their sicknesses. There is nothing that has wounded you that my God can't heal you from. This is important. This is important. Very important. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, there's some areas of my life, nobody looking around and everybody praying, that's full of some dirt that needs to be removed. There's some sin in my life that I need God to wash me clean from. Can I see your hand if that's you right where you are? Hands literally all over this place. Thank you. Put those down. Maybe you're watching and you just somehow mark that. God's going to deal with you today. Maybe you're listening. Just begin to confess whatever that is to him. Quickly, quickly, let me finish. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I will worship in spite of my wounds. Let me see your hands if that's you. God is good. Put those down. Final question. You're here today and this is not something you do every single time you come to church. This is something that you've either never done before or something that you, ha- you know you haven't been serving God in your life for real. You'd say, Pastor, 
join with the four or five that have already chosen to do so in the earlier services today. And I want to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. And I want to be born again. I want to be very clear in how I said it. I want to be born again. If that's you, I want to see your hand right where you are. Just hold it up high. Is there one or two or three or four or five in this service? Quickly, looking around. Thank you. Is there another? Is there another? This is your moment. This is your time. Father, you see this one that's rededicating their heart and soul to you. God, as they prayed a prayer of confession in their life, I thank you, God, that now as they confess that they have not been centered upon Jesus and they will now center their life on you, Lord, that who they are and who they were born to be in the Spirit when they were born again will become who they are living uh, up to, that they will begin to live up to the promises of God you've called them to. And Father, now I thank you that everyone who said there's dirt in my life, Lord, I thank you that as they've confessed whatever this is, Lord, that you in your grace will heal them, deliver them, and forgive them. Lord, for those who are wounded and has affected their worship, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that from that place of woundedness comes, Lord, not unfruitfulness, but shall come the greatest harvest of their lives. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. God is good. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.